So as if Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews of the Toronto Maple Leafs weren't good enough at one thing, now they're taking over not just the hockey world, but also the arts world. John, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, they may have been on stage at the National Ballet as part of the Nutcracker production in, uh, in Toronto. Your thoughts? Uh, solid performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what that scene normally looks like, uh-huh. but uh, they look like they owned it. They they went into it. Like so, I saw some quotes about about it after, and and Matthews was like terrified when he was out there. He, he it was like thirty seconds long, maybe. Okay. He said it felt like forever. He's like he just wanted to get off as as quickly as possible. But <laughs> I think both of them really really uh, leaned into it, as they say, mm-hmm. and, and owned it. So I I love that stuff. I don't know what other what the hockey community, the hardcore hockey community, is saying about it, but it's good. Get them out there. Get them out in the public. Yeah. Well, it's another one of those things where. We've said it a number of times on this podcast, right, that we just don't think that the NHL players are highlighted in the right way and marketed in the right way. And here's another example of two young players that are, you know, putting themselves out there, doing something that's a little against the grain and a little bit silly and funny. And the pictures of it were hilarious. The videos that came out were hilarious. And I do wonder, is is this the same outfit that they're going to wear for their next photo shoot? Uh, one would hope so. Yeah, it was, it was sharp. <laughs> Let me tell you, it was sharp. Sound of Hockey episode 16 is here. The Jason Zucker episode, John. Great. Yeah. Jason Zucker. Super duper. Uh, we are actually without Andy this week, which is kind of weird. He's he's traveling for the holidays, so it's just John and myself, only two legs of the tripod, but we're going to get through it. We're going to have a good time. We actually do have a huge show today. We had a, a great guest that you're going to get to hear in a little bit. We had Lexi Bender, Snohomish's own Lexi Bender, who, uh, if you don't know, she's a two-time all-star with the NWHL's Boston Pride played at Boston College previously, and uh, and she's been very, very supportive of the NHL to Seattle cl- uh, cause as well. That's right. She's uh, been on my radar for a long time, and um, it's great to see her and great to talk to her. Yeah. And she's just a lot of fun, too. So definitely stick around for that. And if you may not have realized, this is the last episode of 2018, and what, an, what a year it has been. So at some point today, we'll kind of look back at some of the top stories of, uh, of the year. We did have a new review come in from Beer League Grinder. It great, says great name. Great, great name. Fantastic name. It says seriously, this sounds like a clean version of locker room talk, in depth enough to capture the interest of hockey nerds, but not so analytical to scare the newbies away. I think I started with episode thirteen and have since gone back to the beginning and have made it all the way back to episode eight. I love the three distinct voices and their three different backgrounds. Great conversations on the local scene, the local hockey scene, impending NHL Seattle team, and the NHL in general. I want to be friends with you. <laughs> well, we want to be friends with you, and now we do. We is that? Do we consider them a friend of the pod if they actually write a review? I think so. Yeah, friend it's of- not just a guest, right? It's not. It's not a term just reserved for the guests. No, because I mean, we. I think people that kind of support the NHL to Seattle cause are friends of the cause, right? That's so, right. Yeah, I think so this friends could, of the pod. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yep, friend of the pod, beerly grinder. We're uh, friends. Yep, we're buddies. Beerly grinder adds. P.S. My road rage has gone down significantly since I started listening to this hug fest. Sorry if I flipped off one of you or your listeners. <laughs> so there All you right. go. Well, we're we're doing good work. We're yep. doing we're doing God's work. That's now. right. Yeah. If if you've been on the road lately and you you got flipped the bird by somebody who looked like he would play, he or she would play. Uh, 
this has to be a male based on how it's written, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I always try to be uh, gender neutral with my review readings, but I'm pretty sure this one's a male. But uh, yeah, if, if you saw somebody flip you the bird recently who looks like he would play, you know, beer league hockey, it could have been beer league grinder. And this is your apology from him. Yeah. So sounds good. Yeah. All right. Let's get into our episode today. So as we mentioned, Last show of, of 2018, uh, lots to cover today. So a couple of little bits of, of Seattle news here. It was mentioned this past week or revealed this past week that KEXP is going to be the official radio partner of NHL Seattle. John, I know you've been a supporter of theirs for a long time, and they're they're just down the block from NHL Seattle's headquarters there. So uh, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, this is awesome. You know, they are, they are literally neighbors of the Seattle Center Arena and – you know, they're going to be impacted by the construction, but it's also nice to see them uh, being included in part of the production. So it sounds like they're going to they're going to do all the curation for a lot of the music in game. And that's everything from and, and there's no specifics, but I ma- I'm imagining it's for music that they come out to during warmups, things they come out to, you know, start the game, goal songs, potentially any kind of intermission kind of music. And, you know, KXP, people don't know it's it's a it's kind of an indie it's almost like a college rock station, a lot of indie music, and but it's got a deep root in the community. And that's one thing I, I tweeted about is the alignment with NHL Seattle and KXP is not necessarily the proximity where where it's located, meaning right next door neighbors, but it's it's the communities that they both serve. Like the KXP music community is very strong and very deep and people are really passionate about it. And you can see that using that that same description to, to describe the hockey community and the eventual fans of the NHL franchise. So I'm particularly excited about it. We'll have to see what music. I've, I would be lying if I didn't think about the music uh, that would be offered in, in that arena. So I'm kind of excited to see what they come up with. I've got some ideas. I don't know if they're taking any feedback, but it would be pretty cool if, uh, if I get a sneak peek of, of what they what they have to offer because it, it's going to be cool. I love their music and I listen to them all the time. Awesome. So uh, I assume just a lot of Nickelback then. I don't believe Nickelback is played on that station, but <laughs> if you really feel passionate about it, Darren, I'm sure you could put it in the suggestion box. I'll start a petition. Yeah. We'll see what we can do. Good luck with that. On the topic of NHL Seattle, what can we kind of look forward to now in 2019? Obviously, the big thing for 2018, I mean, pretty clear that getting the arena up and running and getting the franchise officially awarded to Seattle were the, the main topics for 2018, which are pretty big. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, that stuff is all kind of behind us. The arena is in process. It's being constructed. What should we be looking for here in the upcoming year, though? Well, there, there's a couple things to consider. One is the perceived delay of a uh, year from 2020 launch to 2021. Mm-hmm. And so the timeline might throw things off a bit, but I'm a couple things I'm kind of keeping an eye on is one, are they going to hire a general manager? Um, I think originally with the 2020 target, they were they were thinking about by the summer. I think I saw Tippett talking about that, but that was, that was with the 2020 timeline. So they were saying by the summer, they were expecting to hire a GM, which makes sense. But the extra year, maybe that sense of urgency isn't there. So that's one's general manager. Everybody's favorite topic is the name. So, and they've- <laughs> We they've already gone, decided on that on this podcast. That's right. I, yeah. I don't know why we're even discussing it, but right. apparently we need to kind of finalize the name. The, uh, what they're going to do is they're going to put out like an online ballot and it's going to say, which name is your favorite? And it's just going to say crap weasels four times. Yeah. Or crap weasels with various capitalizations. <laughs> like yeah. a hyphenated version. Yeah. 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 One word. Yep. 
Exactly. Uh, but so the name they've already they've already talked about baking the name by the summer as well. And I think I believe Tippett on the radio station KJR Tuesdays with Tippett talked about narrowing the list from 700 to 100. So they're already narrowing down the list. Wow. So the name is going to come up. That sounds like <laughs> it's it's going to it's going to be finalized by the summer. What one from an operational standpoint and as a season ticket holder depositor, seating charts and pricing should should start to kind of come out. I I don't know. Again, this is a 2020. With a 2020, you definitely would have seen that. But we should start seeing seating charts and pricing uh, come out. I was anticipating spring, but I don't know why I believe that. So with the 2021, that might delay a little bit. Also, you can anticipate a lot of increased engagement from NHL Seattle folks. It's kind of a skeleton crew over there right now. But now with the official franchise, they, they might start ramping the hiring, ramping the kind of uh, the engagement with the fans locally, uh, maybe even get involved in youth hockey. Hockey, who knows? Uh, and then last on my list, and this might be a stretch because of the, the deadline, is is the AHL location. Mm. Um, that the sense of urgency isn't necessary right now, um, but I know it's something Tippett has looked at a bit. He's talked about it a lot. So AHL location, I would think that would be in the back half of the year, if if at all. Depends on where they choose, if there's an arena required or if there's any kind of organization structure that they that they need to set up. If it's a kind of a plug and play scenario with in a location that's already got an arena, might not need to announce it this year and the sense of urgency isn't there. So those are kind of the five things I'm keeping an eye on, but I, I'm not sure how the 20 2021 uh, launch impacts that. Gotcha. You know what? This is fun and all, John, uh, but we are missing Andy and it doesn't feel right. Do you want to call him? So am I boring you already? That no, you're not boring it? me. Okay, I just, okay, okay. I'm realizing that I miss Andy. Do you want to call Andy? I'd like to talk to Andy. Okay, let's I do miss it. Andy. I miss Andy. Cool. Let's call Andy. We're going to call Andy right now. It's ringing. Hello. Andy. Hey, it's Darren and John from the podcast. Hey, Darren and John from the podcast. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> We're good. How are you? We miss you. Where, where miss are you? you. Like, where are you? We're recording I, now. I, I'm. Uh, well, I just got back from an exciting hockey game at the Sharks uh, practice facility. It's all oh. in San Jose. Technically Cupertino right now. I'm uh, about to enjoy a pita. A pita. I heard they make great pitas <laughs> yeah. down there. Cupertino's known for its pitas. Nice. <laughs> What makes me feel good is like even on vacation, you're at a hockey rink. Yeah. Right? It, it makes That's me right. feel like all, right. all is right in the world. Yeah. Yep. My uh, my, my, niece's, my niece's junior shark team, they won uh, eight to five. She had a, two goals and an assist. So Whoa. It was a pretty fun game. Oh, yep. that's kind of a theme for the uh, that's, episode. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, okay, so Andy, I'm, <laughs> I'm dying to get your thoughts on not friend of the program, but friend of yours sort of. Carter Hart uh, and his his start so far with the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, great start in the first two games, right? And, uh, and I saw the day he had a little rougher time, gave up four goals. But uh, I, I'm, I'm surprised they started him in three games in a row. It's my understanding he was up for an injury uh, replacement. Uh, I, I'm a little bit worried that this, the two first games where he was really, did really well uh, raised expectations higher than they already were, and they already <laughs> were at that kind of monumental level there in Philadelphia. So maybe today giving up four goals. Is, but they're is so good. Le- they're so level headed about their goalies in Philadelphia, though. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. Uh, and maybe he's avoided having Gritty knock him over, though. Mm-hmm. I thought Gritty the other day knocking over goalies. So. Yeah. So, so so far, so good for Carter Hart. Yeah, so now that he's had a, a not-so-good game, I guess. Well, he, I mean, he gave up four goals. They, they probably weren't his fault, right? You got to have – Obviously. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so do you <laughs> think now that, that he comes back down to earth, or do you think he they keep playing him and he, he goes back to uh, how he was the first couple of games? I'm, guess, I, I'm guessing probably somewhere in between. I think he's going to be a good goalie. I, I think that 
having a bad game or, or a less you know less than stellar game might be good for him as, as far as the, the expectations of the fans there and the pressure. So it'll be interesting to see how they go forward here. So, yeah, I think he got three starts in a row with them, which is a little bit surprising. But um, ultimately, I think he's going to be fine, whether it's this year or next year. Yeah. Well, when you're the number one star of the game two games in a row, <laughs> why is the coach going to make That's a change? Right. Whoever whoever the coach is in Philadelphia right now, we don't really know. <laughs> Maybe it's coaching by committee. <laughs> I wonder who made the decision to call him up anyway, right? Do you think? I think I think that's Chuck Fletcher, my opinion. But, oh yeah. Yeah, I get. Yeah, I, my guess would be Fletcher. What's the lay of the that's, land? What's the rest of the rest of the week? How much hockey are you going to watch? Well, I'm going to my nephew's practice on Christmas morning. Ah. Uh, he's he's a goalie. He's 14. They had a practice this morning at 6 a.m. I decided not to go to that. <laughs> <laughs> when I landed in San Jose, the Tucson Roadrunners were there, also landing in San Jose, and uh, I ran into Brady Morgan, who used to work for the Thunderbirds, and now works for them. So it was kind of funny to run into somebody I knew in the airport. Uh, they're here playing the, the San Jose Barracuda, so they were unloading all their gear. Uh, right next to where I was picking up my baggage. So that was kind of funny. It's ironic to me that a team called the Roadrunners would actually fly to their games. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so for, for your nephew's game, are you going to be in the press scrum after? <laughs> well, it's just a practice, so I'll have to, I'll have to like, corner, corner guys when they're coming off the ice. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, Andy, Merry Christmas to you, and Happy New Year, and uh, we can't wait until you're back because it's kind of weird doing this with only the two of us. But we, we, keep, this, <laughs> yeah. we keep your active streak alive by calling in, so I, I'm really pleased about That's that. Right. Yeah. I, I right. could sense you guys are recording. There was like a, there was this aura in the air that you guys are recording <laughs> <laughs> all the way down. <laughs> All right, so big thanks to Andy Ide for joining the podcast today. On his uh, day off. <laughs> on his, on his quote-unquote quote, yeah. day off. Exactly. Yep. We, uh, you know, He gets a lot of vacation time and things of that nature from NHL to Seattle, uh, which doesn't actually... I, I can't believe how much he, he'll spend at the rink yeah. right? like on vacation it's in California. It's a lot California. of time. I know. A lot of time. Well, he and I were at... Uh, we mentioned it on the last podcast, right? We were at the Angel of the Winds Arena for so, so long last Saturday and he was like, yeah, you know, this is kind of what I do. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> it's in his natural habitat. Like yeah. he doesn't know what it, what to do when he doesn't spend enough time at the rink. Exactly. A uh, couple more notes on Carter Hart because obviously we discussed that with, with Andy. You know, he he won his debut 3-2 to two against the Red Wings, stopping 22, 20 of 22 shots. First star. Youngest goalie in Flyers history to do that, which I thought was really cool. Uh, and the youngest since uh, since Carey Price to win his debut in the NHL. He followed that up with another win a couple days later. So uh, ends up as the first star again. And he becomes the seventh youngest player ever in the NHL to win his first two games. So cheers to Carter Hart. That's awesome. Uh, obviously, like Andy mentioned, not as good of a game on Saturday here. This is when we're recording this one. But hopefully he'll bounce back, and who knows? Maybe maybe he sticks around for a little while. That's yeah, a pretty it's, cool. It's story. pretty surprising to see him. I, I'm surprised, but I've never pretended to be a GM. So right, <laughs> I trust yeah. the process. Exactly right. No, I mean from a developmental standpoint, it does seem very very early to bring a goalie up. But um, I think that there's there's something to bringing a goalie up to the NHL. And sometimes you see a guy who's been playing in the AHL. You're like, oh, he's an AHL goalie. He's getting forced into this, it's going to be a terrible situation. But maybe the team plays a little bit better around him, knowing that he's he's a young guy that's just making his debut. Maybe, you know, did you see that, the picture of like... The, I was just going to ask you the same players? thing, yeah. yeah. 
I actually saw a, a version where somebody had photoshopped in gritty, <laughs> as, but it was just all five of the players were gritty, which was pretty hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah. So anyway, I, I guess I can. I've seen these situations before where you know you bring up a young goalie who people think, oh, he's he's not going to do it, and he ends up being great. And maybe there's like a, uh, an added adrenaline rush, or the goalie's extra excited to be playing in the NHL for the first time. So. Uh, some guys just rise to that situation. Yeah, and and like we've called out uh, Emily Kaplan's article and with the interview of him, he's very confident yep. and he's ready to play in the NHL or Definitely. if he wants to yep. really badly. So that's uh, great to see. Yep. All right, let's get to our interview with Lexi Bender. We now welcome on to Sound of Hockey, a very special guest. We have Lexi Bender, a two-time NWHL All-Star defenseman with the Boston Pride, Boston College alum, and Snohomish's own. Welcome to Sound of Hockey, Lexi Bender. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. We are in beautiful Olympic View Arena today. This in... is my home rank. This is where I learned how to skate. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. We planned this. Back to your roots. It, yeah. feels, <laughs> it feels very, very grassroots, just like just like NHL to Seattle is. <laughs> so let's, let's start with your story, Lexi. How did you kind of get into the sport and what route did you take to get to where you are now? Sure. So my dad played hockey in University of Alaska Fairbanks. Um, I tried to learn to play when I was about five, six years old. And as soon as I expressed the interest, I was stuck. My dad was psyched <laughs> I was playing. My little brother started playing and it became a whole family thing. Mm-hmm. So I grew up playing in Seattle um, for Seattle Junior. Snapped my collarbone when the boys got a little bit too big and went to Shattuck St. Mary's in Minnesota where I did my um, high school hockey. And then I went to BC and had the opportunity to stay in Boston with the pride. And I've been there since. So you mentioned Shaq St. Mary's. I'm a Minnesotan, as our listeners know. Uh, <laughs> I talk about it a little too much. Um, can you kind of explain to our listeners what Shaq St. Mary's is? I, I personally am pretty familiar, but I have a feeling our, our listeners here don't know it too well. Just think hockey factory. So my first <laughs> class of the day was hockey. My last class of the day was lifting. Yeah. I got all the other stuff in too. Don't worry. Yeah. I graduated BC. But um, yeah, it was a place where you could go and just be immersed in it. Um, the thing you did on the weekend was you'd go watch five or six hockey games. So coming from Seattle, hopefully that'll be Seattle one day, but that wasn't it when I was growing up. So it was a really cool experience. Yeah. And and to give some perspective, it really kind of is in the middle of nowhere. Like it's it's a good <laughs> hour south of uh, of Minneapolis. I mean, there's not too much around it. It's in the town of Faribault, which is a pretty small town. Makes great blankets there, I think, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, You're right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it really is, like you said, it's a hockey factory. It's a boarding school. So kids are, you know, brought in to play hockey and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So. We eat, sleep, breathe it. We walk down to the gas station to go get Gatorades and come back here <laughs> on the parade field. That was our life. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds wild. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. crazy. <laughs> So, uh, you know, you, you come back quite often. You do things with girls hockey here, or, or I should say all hockey here. What's changed since you left to go to Shattuck? And, and give me some color on that. Yeah, so we're here in Olympic View because we did a holiday skate for the local girls today. And it came up on the ice that when I was growing up, the only other girl in my birth year was Molly Donner, who was playing. And then I throw this skate together not even five days ago, very last minute, and we have 30, 40 girls show up. And so I think that just speaks to the numbers and the growth since I've come and gone back. And the excitement around it here, oh, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard there's like a team coming or something. That's uh, NHL team? Yeah. I've heard that too. Yeah. Uh, all right. So <laughs> so after Shattuck, obviously you went off to Boston College. We we did some digging and found out that your team's record while you were there was 130, 11, and 9. Yeah. That's decent. Yeah. How much How much did you have to do with that, do you think? 
Um, well, you can say all of it. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we had everyone else scoring the goals. I was just there to block shots and keep pucks out of the net. Uh huh. But we saw your 17th all time in points. <laughs> Not that we, like I said, we did some digging here. John pulled some data. Yeah. And it's easy when you can pass to Alex Carpenter and Haley Scrupa. They do all the work. You just got to move the puck up. <laughs> Spoken like a true hockey player. All right. Okay. But what about this? Your 10th all time in penalty minutes for the school. What do you have to say for yourself? Take the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're in your third year at the at the Pride yeah. in the NWHL. How different is NWHL versus what it was like in Hockey East and Boston College? It's quite different. So Hockey East um, is more of a finesse league. So whenever we would play like the Minnesotas, the Wisconsins, we would always get just like hit. <laughs> like they're way more physical. It's a tougher game. And so then when you go to the NWHL, it's the same speed as Hockey East, but you have all the players from the Midwest because it's more condensed. So you get the more physical game too. What's your like workout routine with the NWHL versus Boston College? Was it more regimented in Boston College? Yeah. So at BC, we were in the gym, traditional lifts. Um, now I do a lot more yoga <laughs> just because I work out in the morning where on my own. Because it's a finesse game, Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So, and, and I was 10th in penalty minutes. Like, right, I had right, to right. chill on that. <laughs> no, but um, we work with Mike Boyle in Boston, and he helps us out putting together workouts that work with our schedule since we don't just play hockey anymore. And then earlier this season, sounds like both professional women's hockey leagues have kind of talked about the eventual merger. Maybe they're not talking to each other, but they're talking <laughs> through the media. Yeah. yeah. You know, what do you what do you think of that and kind of what's what's the chatter in the locker room or what are people saying as much as you can reveal, I guess? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's mostly in the media. Um, there hasn't been too much formal communication with the players. But I know from the players' perspective, we want the best hockey we can play. And I think that combining into one league is how we're going to get that. Um, I do think it's inevitable at some point, some way. And I just hope that it happens while I'm still playing. <laughs> <laughs> and so on that, do you think um, do you think the NHL should be involved at all? I know that like the Pagulas in Buffalo have made a huge difference in that program. Um I mean, like Fairville, Minnesota, Buffalo, New York isn't the most beautiful place in the world. <laughs> no Whoa, offense to those. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. We no, just lost our Buffalo listeners. We shunned our Buffalo listeners long ago. It's all good. All good. Yeah. But um, just to see the kind of help that they've gotten. And then with the Devils, too, picking up the Metropolitan Riveters and having that base to kind of push tickets to and things like that. I think that both teams have done like double headers. So you come to a girls game, then you come to the guys game and for the same cost. Well, and how much are, how much? or the Bruins involved in the Boston Pride. I know you play your games at Warrior Ice. Is that yep, still right? Yeah, that's so, perfect. And are they involved at all? No. So the Bruins are in a tough spot because the other league that you mentioned has a team in Boston too. So I think they're waiting for the leagues to combine as well. But okay. we're looking forward to their help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a lovely facility. It's, it's beautiful, cool. and we're so grateful that they let us practice there. So how much competition is there then between your team and the, the CWHL team? Because there's – obviously, you're kind of competing for the same fan base there, right? So some of my best friends are on that team, but I'll just say this. We pushed them out to Worcester this year. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. So what are they called now? The Worcester... The Worcester Blades. Worcester Blades. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So, so we're not done. competing anymore. Yeah. yeah. No no more friends. Uh, <laughs> your team, though, you've had obviously a huge turnaround this year. So last year at this point in the season, I think I saw that you only had you only had 12 points for the whole season. This year, you already have 12 points and we're only halfway through. What do you think the, the turnaround has been? Um, we got a new coach and he's been unbelievable. Paul Mara, his whole thing is let's skate fast. Let's have a relaxed intensity. And I think that's really vibe with the group that we have. Um, we have a really fun group. We have a really fast group. 
Um, it's traditionally been a mostly BC team. We got a few Northeastern girls, which I was a little tentative about, but they've worked out pretty well. So, <laughs> yeah, we have a good group. It is. Group. It seems like it's very regional too, right? Like I, I was watching, or I saw some at least some tweets coming through. They're drafting the other day, and like it seemed like the new franchise in Minnesota was drafting a bunch of you know ladies from Wisconsin and Minnesota. Do you, does that seem to be the case throughout the league? Yeah, I would say so because. Um, as much as we want hockey to be our full-time job right now, it's not. Mm-hmm. And so it's tough to get someone to, like, uplift their lives and stuff. Makes sense. Yeah. So, actually, we we had a question about that, too. So, I know you're – currently you're in law school, right? So, how does that balance kind of work? Because you're obviously – you're a full-time student, but it's not – I assume it's not quite the same as being – a playing for and studying for the same organization, right? Like at BC. Yeah. Where they kind of understand that and help you through that. Yeah. There's probably not as much support, I assume. No, it's an interesting question because my first year, so I remember at BC, the first day of class, we have to go in with a blue sheet and say, these are the class I'm going to miss for games. I'm a hockey player. Please help me. <laughs> like, things like that. And then Northeastern, I was like, okay, so what do I do? I just have to do this now. But it's been great. Um, in my orientation, I was placed with a guy who played in the coast and at Utica, and he's a hockey player. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of banded together and hung out. Um, it wasn't uh, Colton Saucerman by chance, was it? <laughs> no. John? So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so what are I you know, I follow the Pride um on Twitter and kind of check out what the team's doing. Um but what are some of the outreach efforts that, that the Pride does with the hockey community in Boston or the Boston area? So just from like our front office standpoint, they'll do a lot of ticket deals for girls teams, things like that. Um I know that whenever one of the players wants to put something together, like Alyssa Gallardi is back in North Carolina doing a toy drive camp this week where she's oh, raising, awesome. um, building hockey in North Carolina, raising money, toys and stuff for the holidays. And I know the Pride have offered to like give her some assistance there um, just with like memorabilia, things like that. Last year, I did a camp in Boston and the Pride were very good about, okay, here's a t-shirt for like your camp for the day, things like that. Um, so that's like more the players. But then um, with the All-Star game, I know that we'll have a day where we'll go and skate with players. Um, last year in Minnesota, we did a skate before the All-Star game. So it's really just finding small pockets of people, new markets. The game in Florida in preparation for the Olympics last year was huge. Um, so it's it's more, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Whenever it pops up, they do it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Opportunistic. Maybe, yeah. yeah, that was what I was looking for. You mentioned the Olympics. How That was such a huge thing for USA Hockey, right? For, Absolutely. For that team to win the gold, obviously. So how much of like a, an influx of attention did you did you guys see in Boston with that? Um, I would say that them coming back, because they're all amazing people. Yeah. And they do such a good job of reaching out. They're all passionate about growing the game. And so when they come back and they're back in the community, then we've definitely seen an uptick. Mm-hmm. Gigi Marvin in particular is one of the greatest humans on the planet. She's just so kind. And having her back on our team has really filled more seats. Yeah. She's fun to watch. Yeah. She's from Minnesota. Yeah. She's got the Minnesota nice, right? Yeah. 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 We're on. Um, You've (laughs) probably noticed the NHL Seattle Club has prioritized female or girls hockey. Yeah. uh, And and more prominently displayed them. They were at the announcement. Um, What are your thoughts when you see that? Um, Because that's that's kind of not something you see every day. I think it's huge, and I applaud the NHL for doing that. Um, I think that from my conversations, what I've heard, they're very committed to growing hockey across the board, and I think that's the way it should be. I I even think about it from a business standpoint of it's an untapped market because it's it, people haven't prioritized girls hockey. Oh, absolutely! And yeah. if you look at the numbers, boys versus girls, girls are going way faster. 
I mean, it just has to be like that. Like it yeah. just it makes so much sense for there's there's so much more room for growth in the in the girls' game than there's in the boys' game. And just absolutely. Yeah. Do you, um, and actually you mentioned earlier, I know you started playing with boys as a kid. How do you think that kind of route compares to the, the girls that play, that grow up playing with girls? It's tough. And it just depends where you are at this point. Like I know some of the best girls that I've played with who grew up playing with girls. For me, I think it helps because it made me tougher. Um, and I grew up with a great group of guys who I saw a few of them last night. They're like older brothers. Um, I don't know. I mean, I can't speak to their experience, but I know I love mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I always had a theory, though, too, that like I, I wonder if it affects the development in terms of how quickly you can skate, because like if you're a girl playing with boys, like there's a there's a good chance you're going to get run over. And, you know, so like you have to be able to skate and, and protect yourself and <laughs> sink and, or swim. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, you know, I obviously there's some physicality in girls hockey, but there's also usually not checking allowed. Right. So. Right. Um, I guess I've just always kind of wondered like how that how that impacts girls like you know grow up playing boys hockey versus yeah and I think there's two hockey. sides to that argument too because on the one hand you could say playing with girls you're gonna get the confidence faster you're not gonna get hit so you're gonna try more things with the mm-hmm. puck but then from my perspective like you said like I had to be checking my shoulder like my on ice awareness is very strong and I think that's from playing with the boys mm-hmm. and this is how you end up as number ten in PIMS too <laughs> <laughs> you bring that up. <laughs> Uh, do you see yourself returning to the Northwest? I don't know. Um, Pacific Northwest is still home. I love coming back. As you guys probably know, I come back a lot. I love being outside. But um, we'll see. I, I'm up in the air. I would love to come back, and especially with the NHL team. And I can stop pretending to root for the Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and that's, I, it's an interesting question I, I've always wondered. Is do you, Are you an NHL fan? Like You don't have to say yes just because we're here. But I always wonder about that because some people are just hockey fans. Yeah. So I love watching college hockey. That's definitely my favorite. But I've also become very into the Bruins over the last few years. All right. We're going to wrap up with a rousing game of buy, sell, or hold. Okay. Uh, Our first buy, sell, or hold topic. There will be a professional women's hockey team in Seattle in the next 15 years. Buy, sell, or hold. Buy. Buy. Oh, yeah. Nice. That's confidence. (laughs) That was very confident. (laughs) Yeah. Very confident. Buy, sell, or hold. The Boston Pride will win the Isobel Cup. This year, I'm gonna hold that because I don't want to jinx it. All right, but it's right, a very right, cool. strong hold. All right, okay, okay. <laughs> strong hold. All right, buy, sell, or hold. Women's hockey should allow full contact and checking. Sell. So, I think the game's good where it's at. Okay. <laughs> um, there's still contact. Like, yeah. I've, I've gone to games, even even in the finesse league of the NWHL. <laughs> there's still contact. That's nice to see. Um, so after this season. You're going to appear on five additional all-star rosters in the NWHL. Buy, sell, or hold. Hold. That's a long ways to think about. <laughs> I thought that was a little aggressive, but we went with it. So, All right. And our last buy, sell, or hold. Buy, sell, or hold. The Sound of Hockey is the best hockey podcast. Oh, bye. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. There's only one correct answer really to that one. I looks there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, please say bye. Please say bye. <laughs> all right. Well, Lexi, thank you so much for, for joining us today. This has been a lot of fun to talk to you. And uh uh, I know John is a huge fan, and he always talks very highly of you. So I got to keep uh, it professional. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but we're all fans of, as well, and uh, and we wish you the very best. And thank you, thank you for right. having me. Happy yeah. holidays. All right, thank you again to Lexi Bender for joining us. That was a ton of fun to go and talk to her. Uh, as we mentioned there on the interview, we were out at uh, Olympic View Arena in an interesting little meeting room thing in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> we were like surrounded by kind of old equipment and just chairs stacked up and stuff. But um, but great to talk to her. So, John, tell me how, how you kind of got connected with her, because I know you've been kind of tracking her her career for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
you go back, it must have been five, five-ish years ago, I think now. Um, you know, I was I was kind of tracking all Seattle area hockey players out there in, in the wild. And, and I don't even know how I found her because like women's hockey is big, but it's hard. It's not necessarily in the mainstream media, particularly in Seattle. Um, so I started started watching her, following her career when she was at Boston College. And I remember watching her two Frozen Four experiences, which is her junior and senior year, watching them, you know, at the time that the online footage was really poor. I don't know if it's in it's gotten better, but I was literally watching those games on a computer with a crappy feed. But it was it was exciting for me to see somebody from Seattle area doing well in the the big spotlight of the Frozen Four. Uh, ironically, one of those years, uh, Wisconsin was also playing in the Frozen Four, and Molly Donner, who I believe she mentioned on the podcast or on our interview, uh, she she's from the area, but she was playing for Wisconsin, and Wisconsin was in the Frozen Four. But both of them lost their semifinal game, so neither of them made it to the the final game. Wow. So she she actually came out here for. 2016 holiday and did a holiday skate when Natalie Spooner from Team Canada was out here when I put it on for the girls, uh, all free for the girls, just to go through a little camp kind of clinic type thing, all intended to be fun. But she, so that's where I met her in, in person. Later that season, I was out there for a Boston Pride game and I was watching like a, probably a proud parent. And she, you know, she had some pretty good scoring opportunities. I remember like, like moving all in my seat and like kind of dancing around, like kind of, Scared like she wasn't score. I was like this proud parent that couldn't control control their emotions. It was pretty funny, but uh, I really enjoy. It. She's been a great person, great supporter, and and uh, and I'm hoping you know she has some kind of ties to the NHL team here in Seattle. Um, she deserves it. Really excited to see what she does the rest of her hockey playing career, but also kind of what she does in life and her professional career as well. So loved interviewing her and I, I'm psyched she made the time to have that interview with us. Indeed. Thank you again, Lexi, for joining us. And uh, like we said in the interview, best of luck to you this year and beyond. Next thing we wanted to do, because this is the last episode of 2018, we are going to count down what we think are the 10 biggest stories of, uh, of hockey here from the last year. So let's start with number 10. We'll work our way to number one. I bet you guys can't guess what number one is. <laughs> uh, number 10, Tom Wilson being a general goon. Yeah, he's had a pretty successful career at doing that this year and uh, suspended. How many times was he suspended in the calendar year? Three times? I think it was three times, and, I think. And the best was the preseason game. Yeah. And he actually got away with one recently that probably should have been another suspension. Yeah. We so. talked about that. Yeah. But, um, yeah. You know, people continue to talk about him. He never got out of the limelight, right? Like just when you think uh, we're not going to hear from Tom Wilson or about Tom Wilson, we hear from him again. Great. Number nine, we had Willie Nylander and his bizarre holdoff or holdout in Toronto. Basically a colossal waste of everyone's time, but it made our list because of just how much how much coverage and attention it got being that he plays in the hockey capital of the universe. Well, and they the call that. interesting thing is it may have set a precedent for other players to do that in the future. Mm -hmm. um, and specifically in the same market, uh, Mitch Marner and and Austin Matthews, the ballet stars, yeah. are going to be in the same boat next year if they don't <laughs> sign. Um, so it should be it should be pretty interesting, and maybe they're going to parlay that ballet career next fall while they're in holdout <laughs> mode. So it's about anyway, time they make something it, of themselves. It is, I don't want to understate that it it could have could set a precedent for RFAs in the future, and and I think it is significant. I thought it was overly covered, but. If 
Toronto. That's what you expect from somebody in Toronto. Number eight, we had the coach firings. So after last season in which there were no in-season firings, then all of a sudden the floodgates opened here this season. So we had John Stevens get fired from the Kings, Todd McClellan get fired from the Oilers, Dave Haxall get fired from the Flyers, and Mike Yo getting fired from the Blues. And of course, in my opinion, the, the biggest one was Joe Quenville. Even though we had heard the rumblings, I still was shocked that they pulled that trigger. It, it, it didn't make any sense to me. It still doesn't make sense to me that they fired him. Technically, that's that's all in the last two months, right? Over the summer, right? Uh, Doug Waite wasn't retained. So Barry Trotz moved on, but I don't. I think that was partially his decision too. Yeah. So it is definitely a theme. Who knows? I mean, I don't think uh, Chicago's any better for it. Number seven. The Ottawa Senators being an absolute disaster of a franchise. Now, we could have picked any one of these particular stories in and of themselves, and they probably still would have made the list, but we decided to group them all together. But so Carlson getting traded is the other big story. Uh, Ubergate, in which they, of course, negatively commented on their on their coaches and had it filmed quietly by, by the Uber driver. And Eugene Melnick just kind of generally being a jerk and threatening to move his team and yeah, lots of different things. So, you know, the they, they, so they do say no press is bad press, but this might be an exception here because that's a lot of bad stories about a franchise that is looking for some glimmer of hope, some positive news. Um, I guess you could, we could throw that the road trip in with the senators as, as a, Ooh, a as good a thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. For the most part, they just couldn't couldn't stay out of the negative headlines. So it's unfortunate, but maybe next year will be the year for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, New Year's resolution for the Ottawa Senators, don't do anything stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Number six, returning to an overcovered thing in Toronto, uh, John... John Tavares signing with the Maple Leafs, essentially shunning the New York Islanders, kind of made it sound like he was going to return. He would never leave New York, blah, blah, blah. And then he ends up signing with the the Maple Leafs, making them an absolute dominant force of a team. Interesting to see a guy like this on the move. Uh, Obviously, again, got so much coverage. But uh, when you add a guy like that to an already star-laden lineup, it, it is a big story and it does need to get covered like that. Yeah, and it's just so rare that we see a blue chip free agent make it to market. Usually they're locked up and signed before, but good on him, I guess. Good on the Leafs. Yeah. Number five is Gritty. Number four is- Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you have don't, thoughts on that, John? <laughs> you just can't deny Gritty's star power right now. So, and it's Philly, pretty incredible. Philly's kind of needed some good news too. So yeah. Well, they won the Super Bowl. I meant the Flyers. Oh, but got it. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting. Like he's he kind of transcended hockey. Like it's like a like a country song that makes the radio on the on the main hit radio station. That's how that's what gritty has been. It's, it's crazy. He's been everywhere. So unfortunately, I, I, as I've mentioned before, I'm not a huge gritty guy anymore. I was an early adopter of gritty. I thought it was hilarious initially, and then everyone else jumped on the bandwagon after me. Yeah, I'm taking full credit. You liked him before he was cool. Exactly. Yep. And then. And then he got on the main radio station. I was like, all right, that's enough. Number four, the Vegas Golden Knights making it to the Stanley Cup finals uh, in their inaugural season. Yeah, obviously that's huge news. And I've said it before, but they were everywhere in news coverage, them making the final and, and kind of their, their run during the playoffs. It was pretty impressive. Golden Knights, good for hockey. Yes, agreed. Number three, Team USA women winning the gold medal in South Korea. 
awesome, awesome tournament that obviously I think it had a, a huge boost for the sport. We talked briefly about that with Lexi today, but what a, what a game that was to, to close it out over Team Canada. They won in the shootout with some ridiculous, ridiculous moves. And uh, I mean, it was, it was a fun game to watch, fun story. They came back and they were just superstars. And it was just cool to see that from a, a an area of the sport that I think often gets unfortunately overlooked. Well, and what's pretty remarkable is when you back up four years to Sochi, they were up by one goal with, I think it was less than a minute. The US, USA missed an empty net that would have kind of like put it away. Canada came back, tied it up with a pulled goalie um, and eventually won it in overtime. Then this one went to a shootout. Yeah. And so you're like, oh my gosh, these these girls can't catch a break, <laughs> yeah. right? And uh, won it in dramatic fashion in the shootout. And it's it was uh, great to see. I love watching the US versus Canada games whenever they're on, whether it's, a, it's um, World Cup or Tri-Nations Cup or whatever cup it is. But the Olympics are a special stage. And so it's really cool to see them pull it out. Yeah. Number two... Alex Ovechkin swimming in the fountain in DC. <laughs> I guess I guess the Capitals winning the Stanley Cup would be the story there. But the sub bullet is that the yeah, sub bullet? Yeah. yeah, maybe the sub point is Alex Ovechkin's summer long bender that he went on to uh, to celebrate. Man, side note, I guess I guess the best thing you can do is go on a summer long bender because look at the way he's been. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> apparently works. Yeah. He's been playing this season. Might want to try that training regimen, you know, and think about. How close, I think it was opening round against Columbus. The Caps were down two games to zero. And I think maybe even game three went to overtime. Yeah, they switched goalies. <laughs> Didn't they? There yeah, they was something. Started with, they there, started with Krubauer. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. And, and, then they, and then they switched to Holtby. And then that, yeah. was, that and was it. it was, yeah. So whatever <laughs> it takes, right? Uh, pretty impressive. So good on the Caps. Good for hockey. Caps, good for hockey. Caps, good for hockey. Golden Knights, good for hockey. USA women, good for hockey. Yep. Okay. And our number one story. Was there anything, any other stories? I thought we covered the top ones. No, there was one more story that we were going to get to. That was only number two. Oh, Our last story and our number one story of 2018 is, drumroll, the NHL awarding the 32nd franchise to the city of Seattle, Washington. Do, are you going to uh, sing a song for us again? No, I, I did that already. <laughs> okay. uh, it was very well received, by the way, that song. I know. Yeah. All right. That, those are our top 10 hockey moments of, uh, of 2018 or hockey stories, whatever we're going to call them. Top 10 of 2018. Let's move on to our weekly one-timers. By the way, I'm really glad that, no offense to Andy, but I'm glad that you're the one in the studio because you're the only one that can do that. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Like, I don't know what that we would do effect. if I wasn't here. We couldn't even do weekly one-timers, I don't yeah. think, without you to be able to like, do the uh, sound Let's effect. skip this segment. Yeah. <laughs> We'd be like, time for our weekly one-timers. And then we'd just like look at each other really awkwardly and just nothing would happen. That's what would, <laughs> yeah. All right. So our first weekly one-timer, Scott Hartnell, uh, who retired did the ceremonial face-off for Predators versus Flyers. He played for both of those teams, obviously, for extended periods. Roman Yossi and Claude Giroux were the ones that took the ceremonial face-off. And what I thought was really hilarious about it was that normally when it's a ceremonial face-off, they drop the puck and then the home captain just picks up the puck and hands it to the guy, right? And usually they're practically posing for picture, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. And in this case, those two guys who obviously are, are buddies of Hartnell's agreed that they were going to like really fight for the puck. So <laughs> it's like a legit face-off. Giroux wins it and fires it all the way back into his own end and like skates to pick it up. <laughs> hilarious, hilarious yeah, thing. That's awesome. Yeah. I love it. And he and uh, Hartnell's a, a character of the game. He's, oh, he's great. Much. I hope 
I hope he stays involved in hockey. I don't yeah. know if he is yet, but uh, it'd be great to see him out there. Yeah. Uh, I also saw that during that that ceremony, they had Yarmir Yager on the big screen. And he said, hey, Scott, I know you're retired. I'm still playing hockey, but I could use somebody even slower than me on my line. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that. Oh, that's so good. Our next weekly one-timer. Whoopee. Sammy Vatanen of the New Jersey Devils had perhaps the save of the century. He is a defenseman, not a goalie. They were playing against the Senators. Keith Kincaid was playing goalie for the Devils. Kincaid got a little bit out of the net, not like crazy. It wasn't like he slid a mile out of the net and it was like, oh, wide open net. They made a good play and Ottawa was about to score. And somehow in that split second, Sammy, Sammy Vatanen made the like very quick decision to kind of slide in behind Kincaid. And he made the save with the shaft of his stick. And then... Nico Hishier comes sliding in out of nowhere too. I don't know what he was doing down there, but he throws the puck out with his with his hand to make the save. And then to make it really ridiculous, uh, Taylor Hall comes down with Palmieri the other way and ends up scoring a goal. So that's like seconds later. Here's let me play you the audio from it because it's it's absurd. Jones drops a pass back. Shabbat with a shot. Save me! Oh, somehow remarkably wasn't kept out of the net. Hacked out here by the Devils. Palmieri tries to push this out of the zone. He'll So I love how Ken Danico there, who's the, the color guy who comes in second with uh, with MSG, I love that he's just like losing his mind. Like he doesn't even know what to say. Like it was yeah. awesome. I, I mean, it, it, you saw the reaction of the fans too because they were like going ballistic when the saves happen and then all of a sudden they score a goal and it's just like, oh my gosh, like the top blew off that place. It was a ridiculous play. I mean, an absolutely ridiculous play at both ends of the ice. I've never, I won't say I've never seen anything like it, but like we could have done uh, and you don't see that every day and it would have been appropriate. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So look it up if you haven't seen it. Yes. It's great. Our next ooh, weekly one-timer. Yaroslav Halak, and I don't know if this is really news, but I think it's quite interesting that Yaroslav Halak has essentially become the starter in Boston over Tuka Rask. Tuka, I don't think he's been having like a bad season, but Halak got off to a really hot start and just has never given up the goal crease, which I think is fascinating. Tuka Rask has been the the goalie there forever. So at this point, Halak has started 20 games. Rask has started 16 um, and just he's had better better results. So he's got a 2-1-9 goals against average, a 9-30 save percentage. And like I said, it's not like Rask is having that bad of a year. He has a 2-5-7 and a 9-1-5. So not uh, terrible, right? Well, and what's crazy is, you know, Halak was in with the Islanders last year. Right. And one thing they always talked about is the lack of goaltending there, but <laughs> yeah. it, but it probably was more a systems thing. And because I think I remember there's a lot of shots against the Islanders and the Islanders didn't play people too tough. And so this is crazy. Halak goes to Boston, plays better. He leaves the island. Islanders are playing better. Yeah. So what is it? Either way, good on him. I've always kind of liked him from afar, primarily when he's been playing with the Islanders, just because I was rooting for the Islanders. But cool to see him playing well in Boston. And that's a good team to play in front of. Well, I mean, in the for the Islanders, like they have the Trotz factor there too, right? So, yeah. you know, what if what if Trotz was the was the coach there when Halak was there? Right. And, Who you knows? Know, you might knows? have seen something totally yeah. different. But, but even Thomas Grice is having good, pretty good numbers too. <laughs> he is. So it's crazy. But yeah. Robin Leonard, there's another situ- exact same situation, right? Robin Leonard was brought in and people thought he would be the number yeah. one there. 
Yeah. And it's Grice has just yeah. taken over that. It's crazy. Um, but it goes to show, right, and I know I've talked about this before, just how important it is to have two legitimate goalies, not just, you know, two guys that could theoretically be a starter on your team. If you can somehow put that on your team, you're in just so much better shape than a team that has an obvious number one and an obvious number two. My opinion. but Your opinion. Yeah. My opinion <laughs> as a Minnesota Wild fan, which has a very obvious number one and a very obvious number two goalie. So... <laughs> Our next weekly one-timer. Speaking of the Minnesota Wild, I just wanted to follow up very quickly on the Matt Dumba situation that we talked about last week. To, re- to refresh your memory, what happened was he was pushed into sort of answering the bell for something that happened a few weeks ago. And so Matthew Kachuk challenged him to a fight in the first minute of the game uh, last week. A couple of days ago, it was revealed by Michael Russo of The Athletic that Dumba, his the injury that he apparently suffered, we, we think, everybody thinks from that fight is significant enough that he has to have surgery and his timetable is like not even being revealed at this point. So he's out for a long, long time, it sounds like. And just... If it was the fight that injured him, because they're they're not really officially saying if it was the fight that injured him, but I just think it's such a just a crock. I don't know. It it really frustrated me as a again as a wild fan, and so I'm complaining about it. Well, it's kind of a bummer because when I was in Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, I went to a wild game and he was out at that time, like he was he was injured. So kind of a bummer. I didn't get to see him, and I I've been a kind of a fan of his, and he's been having a pretty good year, right? Well, he was leading the NHL in goals. For for defensemen, that seems like a good good year. So <laughs> he was having an outstanding year. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, he, I mean, all the guys are saying on on that team, they're saying like he was our MVP this year. Can we can know? we talk about the Vegas Golden Knights expansion draft and Dumba? Do you mind? Sure. Would you do the same thing, knowing what you know now? Uh, I w- well, that's a good question. I mean, to give yeah. the backstory, yeah, that's... essentially what happened was uh, Chuck Fletcher had too many good defensemen to protect. Right, he sent Alex Tuck to the Golden Knights, essentially to get them to take Eric Halla as their pick. He had left Matt Dumba unprotected, but he did that essentially knowing that they weren't going to take him because they were giving up Tuck to to make them take Eric Halla. Yeah. Looking back, uh, I don't I don't think anybody would have wanted them to do that. I think what they could have done was leave. See, the thing is, they had to they had to protect Jonas. The, the question was, would they protect Jonas Berdeen or Matt Dumba? And they they thought very highly of Jonas Berdeen, so they protected him, left Dumba exposed, and then they also had Marco Scandella, who they turned around and traded afterwards. So personally, if I were to do it again, I would have said I would I would like for them just to kind of let the chips fall as they may and be really smart about who they're protecting. I actually, and I'm a big Jonas Brodin fan, but I thought the decision to protect him over Dumba didn't make much sense just because I think Dumba has such a higher ceiling, like in terms of what he can bring offensively. So, do you, And you think you would have answered that the same way back then last year? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, I, like, and this is getting a little wonky, like, into the specifics, but it's interesting because people talk about, oh, the clubs have learned what from the Vegas expansion and things are going to be different. Right. And it's like, well, what would they have done differently? I mean, and when you're talking about it, protecting somebody different, mm-hmm. that's actually not learning anything different. That's knowing your team a little bit better or just evaluating your team more precisely, I guess. But that's nothing to do with the trade because yeah. the trade, maybe they would have picked up that defenseman. But as we said, it would have been Dumba technically. Yeah. So. I mean, if I'm thinking about it from a, from a Seattle standpoint moving forward, either way, 
the Golden Knights are taking a really good good player right, from, the, right, from the Wild. Like right. there's there's no getting around that. Like the Wild were going to lose a good player. It's how do they minimize the damage? And unfortunately, they gave up two assets instead of one. And that's that's where I think the sore spot was. Was and, and I think Hall has cooled off a bit, and he might even be injured. he's injured. He, he, he a, might be out for the year. Yeah, he has a bad yeah. leg injury. So, but I mean, think about what a huge right. part both of those guys were for for their Absolutely. team last year. You Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. And Tuck hadn't even really had an opportunity yet to play. He had a couple games with the Wild, and that was it. And then they just kept. Well, I don't think he started the season with Vegas. I don't think he came in until. Okay, we're probably getting a little deep. Uh, Man, okay, I can talk about this all day long, John. (laughs) Okay, yeah, this is not. I got to remind myself, this is not a Minnesota Wild podcast. Yes, thank you. Sorry. All right, that wraps up weekly one timers. We got a little off the rails there. Yeah, that is not exactly a one-timer. No, that was uh, that was a long, long developing play there, not a one-timer. Uh, all right, so let's move on. <laughs> to wrap up the show, we have games on the radar. Uh, I know that you have one that you've had circled for a while. That's right. I've had this one circled since preseason, and wow. it's uh, Florida versus Montreal. Florida versus Montreal, you ask. Why would I circle that? Well, <laughs> if you remember one of our early episodes, we talked about a player named Max Domi sucker punching a player named Aaron Eckblad. No, it wasn't a sucker punch. It was a cold cock. Cold cock. Yep. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I always look for you for clarification of those two. <laughs> but there were some words said in the locker room about kind of getting even. Well, this happens to be the first game that where they play each other since that game. So I am circling that one. Should It should be interesting. Um, not that I'm encouraging fighting, but I usually when the bell's rung, somebody needs to answer it. So we'll see how that goes because Aaron, Aaron Eckblad is a very good player for Florida. So, so he's got to answer that bell. Yeah, yeah. man. Old school. <laughs> uh, quite the opposite of what we literally just talked about with Matt Dumba. But, <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. So on the radar for me, I have a, a couple here. I have Flyers versus Lightning. They're playing on NBCSN on the 27th. And then later that night, Avalanche versus Golden Knights, which I think that should just be generally really fun there in Vegas, which is Ooh, always a great atmosphere. Interesting. And that's, and that's late. So we'll be able to watch it late here. Uh, but Flyers versus Lightning, I'm very curious to see how Carter Hart fares there if they if they put him back in. So that's why I'll be watching that cool. one. Cool. Those are good games. And also, let's not forget that the World Junior Championship happens to be starting. Make sure to tune into that if you are not... Uh, uh, working like some people. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to episode 16 of Sound of Hockey. Thank you again to Lexi Bender for joining us. Thanks to Andy Ide for for <laughs> taking that call on his vacation. Yeah, it keeps his streak alive. Yeah, like exactly. Yeah. We will see you all next week. Make sure to continue subscribing on uh, SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. And please do send those five-star reviews just like Beerly Beer, Grinder did. Beerly Grinder. Yep. And we will be sure to read it for you. And we'll talk to you all next week. For all right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Oh, talk to you guys next year. Uh-huh. This